Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm a consultant with Troubling the Waters, LLC, and the co-host of this here Faith to Go podcast. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego, and the other co-host of this here Faith to Go podcast. If there's one (laughs) co-host, there has to be another. Isn't that a rule? I think that's part of geometry. Well, unless the Holy Spirit. That's Well, the Holy Spirit is the third co-host. Got it. With us. Wherever two or three co-hosts are gathered. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is in their midst. Jesus is on a mic somewhere. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the Faith to Go podcast for this week. Leading up to Sunday, October 15th, 2023, we're going to be talking about Proper 23 in Year A in Matthew's Gospel here, winding down our year in Matthew's Gospel. But before we get to that Gospel discussion, yes, we always like to check in with one another, mostly with Charlie. <laughs> About where we saw God or felt God's presence or not in the last week. So, Charlotte, it is not your turn, but you're going to go. Yes, because so I am a kind and loving co-host. <laughs> would you please share <laughs> a place where you saw or felt God's presence in the world this last week or so? I sure will. So, I had the great gift this past weekend of being at Camp Stevens, beloved of all of us gathered in this room right mm-hmm. here. And I was up there for the annual Formation Leaders Retreat, an opportunity for professional development and for Sabbath, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's parts of both things. And on the Friday evening that we arrive, we do a little bit of work when we first get there. And then it's really just fellowship um, for that part of the evening. And we were having this awesome conversation. And I don't actually remember how it started, but we were talking about favorite words. Um, like, so for example, shenanigans. It's a great word. Sure is. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about a bunch of words like that, but one of the ones that came up, somebody said something, oh, I really like the word disgruntled. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know, and it feels wrong to say that you like the word disgruntled, right? Mm-hmm. But disgruntled actually, because it is dis, right, mm-hmm. comes from the word gruntled. Gruntled. Yes. Oh, I see. And do you use the word gruntled in no. your everyday life? That's a real word you're saying? It is. Okay. No. And but I will now. I know. Well, and especially once you know what it means. And I should look oh. up the actual definition to give it to you while we're doing this right now. But gruntled basically means pleased, satisfied, and contented. Really? Yes. It's weird. It's a glorious thing to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking about it. It kind of wove in and out through the weekend. We kept saying things like you would see someone sitting on the couch and they would have like their cozy blanket Mm -hmm. over them because it was raining and we had a fire and they would be like, I'm so gruntled. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I think that the reason why this felt like a God sighting for me was that it was exploring something that has been forgotten and reveling in the joy of what had been left behind. Right, because like language had evolved, and somehow or another, this pleased, satisfied, and contented expression of gruntled has fallen by the wayside. But once embraced, it became this like joyous thread that went through our week. And so I got home yesterday, and I was a little bit tired, and had to like rally for the evening because I had another event last night. And as I was at home and I had curled up on my couch and my dog had come and snuggled at my feet and I had a glass of water and I was just kind of in my like nest of my family, I was thinking, ooh, gruntled. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
So, but it was just a reminder of the presence of God in so many different ways, but in the fellowship of the human beings that were there with me, in the comforts that were provided to me, and in the opportunity to notice them. Love it. I've just spent the last 30 seconds just trying to figure out where grunt came from. (laughs) And did you? Google. Not really. Oh. No. What is the Greek word? (laughs) It looks like it's from German. (laughs) From German. The, just the word grunt. And okay. Then gruntle is to utter little grunts. Yes, it's in good humor, happy, yeah. contented. Yeah. So to utter little grunts mean you're means you're very happy, and you're grunting little happy grunts. Yeah. So to be disgruntled means you have no happy grunts to utter. <laughs> Only angry, frustrated <laughs> <That's right>. grunts. <laughs> yeah. Mad grunts. Well, we would love to know. When always, was the last time when, you were gruntled? Yeah. How have you been gruntled this week, or disgruntled with God? You can be gruntled or disgruntled with God, everyone. We just want you to know that here at the Faith Go podcast. When have you found yourself uttering little grunts this week? We would love to know any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, as well as any of your God sightings, maybe something about your ministry context, if you'd like to share that with us. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through Instagram at faith2go. Tag us, direct message us, follow us. And there's lots of ways to get in contact with us, all listed in the description for this episode. So check all those out. We are going to move on to our discussion about this upcoming week's gospel, again, for October 15th, 2023, proper 23 in year A. Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I have a little bit of context, and then we'll each have a point. So take it away. Jesus responded by speaking again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding party for his son. He sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding party, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent other servants and said to them, Tell those who have been invited, Look, the meal is all prepared. I've butchered the oxen and the fattened cattle. Now everything's ready. Come to the wedding party. But they paid no attention and went away, some to their fields, other to their businesses. The rest of them grabbed his servants, abused them, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said... (laughs) so intense. (laughs) It sounds so crazy when you say it. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Hooligan. I like that word too, David. Hooligan. I was not expecting to have that reaction. I'm sorry. That was just so crazy to hear it. The king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his servants, The wedding party is prepared, but those who were invited weren't worthy. Therefore, go to the roads on the edge of town and invite everyone you find to the wedding party. Then those servants went to the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding party was full of guests. Now when the king came in and saw the guests, he spotted a man who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? But he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Tie his hands and feet and throw him out into the farthest darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Many people are invited, but few people are chosen. All right. (laughs) <laughs> so what an intense story. So crazy. Well, and also slightly disappointing, right? Yeah. Like, because we had to just, we read the Common English Bible because we wanted the word servant as opposed to the word slave, which is mm-hmm. in the NRSV. Mm-hmm. But it means that the trade-off mm-hmm. was that we did not get weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. 
Which is just a trademark phrase. Correct. Of Christianity. <laughs> but weeping and grinding their teeth yeah. feels a little bit like too my daily much. life. Like, yes, like real just life. Just regular life. Yes. Night guards and psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. Um, all right. Well, maybe that's the name of the episode, Night Guards and Psychiatrists. <laughs> A little bit of context in Matthew 22. This is the very next story from last week's gospel, right? Tenants, yeah, the tenant Mm -hmm. farmers. So last week's gospel ended Jesus talking about the tenants at the vineyard. And then Matthew 22 starts with this parable right here. So again, just something to remember. Jesus is in a dialogue in Jerusalem. Remember, he, he got into Jerusalem at the beginning of Matthew 21. So he's like in and around Jerusalem at the temple. He's he's talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, you know, of the time, the chief priests and elders. See, back in Matthew 21, 23, when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching, right? And then that's that dialogue continues all the way through here. So that's who Jesus is talking to. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember who Jesus is talking to. When we just have these snippets, when we clip these parts without context in the lectionary, Jesus is just talking in a vacuum, just mm-hmm. talking to everybody. But he wasn't talking to everybody. He was talking to a specific group of people. And you really get a sense, like, when you think about how the tone and tenor of the parables has shifted in these last few weeks of the lectionary, you can really tell, like, how Jesus' mindset has changed as he's entered Jerusalem. He is really at the epicenter of Jewish life, but he's also at the epicenter of like Jewish power and the frustrations he has with the way power is being used by the leaders of the Jewish community. So like, this isn't about like mustard seeds and light and salt and stuff anymore. You know, these parables are about like divine judgment and destruction. He's flipped the tables. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is like passionate, frustrated, Mm -hmm. angry Jesus. He's not walking, he's not walking up to like, tax collectors and stuff screaming at them. He's he's yelling at, at Pharisees now, you know? So he's like getting closer and closer and closer to the middle of the power. And and that you can feel it change, you know? So anyway, that's where that's where we are. And that's essentially goes right into my point because I just I think it's so important to highlight just like where Jesus is coming from here and who Jesus is talking to. Similar to last week's parable. Like, it's, it's easy in a vacuum to, to interpret this parable thinking that Jesus is talking just generally about his Jewish community. That, like, oh, all of the Jewish people missed their chance at the kingdom of heaven, and now, like, it's going to be inherited by all, all these other people then, all the Gentiles, whoever is going to eventually become Christians. That group of people is the group of people that will be invited to the wedding banquet, because everyone else, all the Jewish people missed their mark, missed their chance. That's just frankly not what he's saying. And, and that is like totally out of touch with everything Jesus has ever said about himself and about the nation of Israel and about the Jewish people. Like Jesus is here as a Jewish person, as a prophet, trying to fundamentally, trying to critique and reform his tradition, his Jewish tradition. So <laughs> this isn't about supersessionism for Jesus, you know, this is about telling the people in power how they're messing up, how they're missing the point, how they're missing the mark of being in community, and how they're not fulfilling their promises. You know, so if we go back, if we think of all these parables that we've read in the last few weeks, all kind of put together, you've got like 
the son who says they're going to go to the field and doesn't, and the son who says they're going to not go to the field and does. You know, like this disconnect between words and actions that Jesus is highlighting. Again, talking to religious leaders. We have like the tenants who are supposed to take care of the fruits of the vineyard and who are like killing the people that are coming to get the fruits, thinking that they're just going to take it all for themselves, right? And then we have this one, the people who are invited to this wedding banquet, who kill the servants, who go about their business, who go back to their land, who go who go back to their money-making ventures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, right? Because they're all, they're all going back to their businesses. They go back to their fields and others to their businesses, right? They've got better things to do. They're not interested in a big party. They're not interested in this invitation to this celebration. They are interested in their own power and safeguarding their wealth and resources, right? So I think it's so important to just remember that Jesus is critiquing this group of people that has chosen their own power over the wellness of their community. They've chosen their own power over the invitation from God, not just the invitation from God through Jesus, but the invitation from God throughout the history of Judaism, thinking all the way back through all those Hebrew scriptures, all the books of Hebrew scripture, that like Jesus isn't coming up with some crazy new idea, that this invitation to communal wellness, to something new and different, to new way of being in the world, has been true throughout all of history, that God is always inviting people into freedom and liberation and, and thriving, and that Jesus is, again, in the, in the middle of this power struggle, talking to people who have sold out their people. They've sold, they've sold that dream, that invitation. They've rejected that invitation to the kingdom of heaven for the sake of their own power, and they've aligned themselves with Rome. They've aligned themselves with empire rather than the wellness of their own people, their family, and their friends, the people that they've been entrusted to safeguard, you know? And so I think then by extension, this is an invitation from Jesus for us to wonder how we're doing the same thing. It's a human instinct to try to protect one's own power and resources and wealth. That is like, it is counter-cultural and almost counter to our basic kind of human nature. Maybe that's not true. It's at least counter-cultural. Maybe it is part of our human nature to want to take care of one another. But that our, all of our cultural messaging is around personal wealth, uh, personal greatness, you know, like taking care of one's own things, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, this very highly individualistic way of thinking. And so Jesus is asking us, how are you in big and small ways choosing the consolidation of your power over the invitation to something bigger than you? over the invitation to a celebration where everybody gets fed, everybody has what they need, everybody is happy and thriving? Or are you going to go back to your business, back to your farm? Are you going to even go so far as to try to destroy the people inviting you to this new way of being for the sake of your own private quote-unquote happiness Mm -hmm. that really is fleeting and unreal because there are other people out there suffering? that there are people out there who are weeping and grinding their teeth all the time. And not just because they have toddlers. Yeah, not just because they have toddlers, but because they can't live in this world that we've created. Yes. Like, it's, why would you, (laughs) there's so much weeping and grinding of teeth because we're all anxious. Yes. You know, we can't function in this world. We can't function in this life 
because we need one another. That's what Jesus is inviting everybody to. That's the wedding banquet, is the invitation to celebrate life with one another rather than just having this individual sense of wellness that doesn't go beyond you or your immediate people that you know. So that's it. Well, and I think that that actually takes us to my point, which has to do with intention, because I think that that actually flows very naturally from what you're talking about right now. Because let's be honest, the language in this parable is a little bit harsh. Yeah. (laughs) Rightfully so. Right? But like... (laughs) I laugh about it because it's disturbing, not yeah. because it's humorous. But the, I mean, they have killed people, abused mm-hmm. them, killed them, the people that came to invite them. And then the king is angry. And so he sends people out to destroy those murderers and set the city on fire. Right. Not just the people. Right. <laughs> destroy the whole place. Burn it down. Right. <laughs> but then after that, like, there's this beautiful invitation that happens of everybody else. And it says to go out onto the roads on the edge of town. So literally what you and I are talking about, the people on the margins yeah. is who are sent to be gathered mm-hmm. into this. Mm-hmm. And so you're living into now the goodness, right? So you have had all of the scary hardness, burn it down. And then the invitation to the people on the margins. And you think, oh, everybody is at the wedding bay banquet themselves. Yeah. That's a great way to end the story. Correct. (laughs) Frankly. Yes. But it does not end there. Yeah. Because as the man is walking through, the king comes in and he sees the guests. He spots someone, right? Like, can't you just see his little head whipped to the side? He spots somebody, not in wedding clothes. Yeah. And what happens is um, he he has his hands and feet bound, thrown out into the farthest darkness Mm -hmm. where there will be Mm -hmm. weeping and grinding of teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I have to admit that I have struggled with that because it is such an extreme reaction. Yeah. And there's some things to note in this, right? Because like this is not about being dressed in kingly robes. And certainly it is easy to read it that way, but it is not that expectation. It is that when you attend something like this, mm-hmm. that you are expected to put on the best that you have. Mm-hmm. And so that may just mean clean clothes for you. And if you don't even have a set of clean clothes, it is the care with which you present yourself, right? And so the intention is that this person has shown up with disregard for what it is that he is engaging with, that he is not vested in the banquet. Mm-hmm. at all. And so as I think about that, interesting that I use the word vested, right? Um, <laughs> but like, as I think about that, really what I come up with is that it is your presence in the space, the way in which you are engaging with the other people that are at the banquet. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is, you know, your attitude, your demeanor. Um, but also like, if we think more broadly of what the banquet really and truly is based on what you just said, it is the way that we advocate and serve and connect with the entire community. It is the ways in which we set aside our own personal power for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. And I also flashed back to this moment, again, from this past weekend at Camp Stevens, the very first night that we were together before our conversation about Gruntled, we had done this activity about illustrating the Bible where you roll this ream of paper all the way across the room. Mm-hmm. And then you take copy paper and you try to draw an image for as many Bible stories as you can think of. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun with a bunch of formation people mm-hmm. because like they like all the obscure stories, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so we were working through and doing all of the stories and putting them out. And believe it or not, the trickiest part is the gospels. Mm-hmm. 
because if you're treating it like it's a timeline, mm-hmm. the four gospels tell the same story. Yeah. Not every single story is in every single gospel. Mm-hmm. Not every single story is in the same order in right. every single gospel. And so like we were laughing at ourselves as we had this section of it like out and about and shifting the stories all around. And maybe it's because of that activity that I was thinking about the two stories in Luke that are about the wedding banquet. And thinking about the fact that, again, like you said, as far as the context goes, that we don't just have this lectionary reading that we got for today. We do have the entire Bible to explore and connect with as we consider what the implication of this is. And so in the two stories in Luke, we have the one where it first talks about notice what the people do when they're invited to the banquet. Like, do you set yourself in the place of honor or do you take the lowest seat? And, you know, it closes with, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. But then right on the heels of that, they name like, but who do you invite, Uh right? And so it's saying like, don't invite the most powerful people out there hoping that you will receive an invitation yourself in return. But instead, you need to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about these two together, like as far as that goes, and thinking about what that says about who is invited. And obviously, you know, we have this language in there about heading out to the far roads to consider who is invited in, but also in the invitation as to how you show up as part of it, um, I think that there's a really important conversation to be had about our expectations of people who have been hurt, who have been marginalized, and who have been left out as to the expectation of how they engage in those situations. And I wonder about that, right? Like, I wonder about those rules and barriers that we put in place for how people are expected to show up in this world and the opportunity for grace within that before we bind them and throw them out to the... (laughs) to weep and and grind their teeth. Mm -hmm. But just naming the fact that like using all of these stories, all of these banquet stories to think about the banquet and who is seated around the table, what they have access to, their intention in being present Mm -hmm. in that space, and the way that they engage with each other and with God. The thing that I like about it is that there's some sort of ongoing nature to the invitation. Mm -hmm. That's not just a one-time thing. If it's about how you show up, then it must also be about how you are when you're there, like you're saying, you know, it's like, it's a whole process, you know, and so I love the idea that like, you know, if my point is about what, when you're, whether you're accepting the invitation or d- rejecting it for your own power, once you accept it, that's not the end of the story, because mm-hmm. then the story keeps going, even when we think it should be over, because then it's about how you're showing up, you know, and then I'm assuming there's more parts to the story. Because they just, the, then the banquet happens, you know, and then what happens in the banquet? Are you sharing in the banquet? Which place are you going to sit in the mm-hmm. banquet? You know, all these, all these things. It's really, it's good to, to have that sense that like, there's never going to be an end to the journey of the kingdom of heaven. It's just always kind of unfolding and there's always going to be another step in the process. And that kind of seems exhausting, but I think it's also kind of nice, you know, to know that the story never really ends. It's just going, going on forever. Is it gruntled? Hopefully it's gruntled in there. Okay. Hopefully everyone's gruntled. Our two points. Number one point was mine. Again, thinking about choosing power over the invitation to the kingdom of heaven. I love also that like there really are dire consequences to not choosing. Mm-hmm. You know, 
just thinking about the parable and the destruction and scariness of it. It's like these, it's important. You know, it really is painful to say no. And number two was Charlotte's thinking about once we accept the invitation, how do we show up? What is our presence like when we're, you know, participating in this kingdom of heaven when we accept the invitation? So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been. You can get in contact with us in all those ways that are listed in the description for this episode. You can also share with us any of your God sightings or anything you'd like to share about your ministry context where you did or didn't see God. Maybe any feelings of gruntledness or disgruntledness (laughs) that you'd like to share. Instead of consolations and desolations, we have gruntles and and disgruntles. New show theme. (laughs) If you would like to read more about this gospel, I was looking at the entry in the Sacra Pagina for... For Matthew, that's that commentary that I like. It does talk about that kind of same thing that I was saying, you know, not pushing back against that kind of supersessionist idea and, and moving to something else. So check that out if you'd like. We will be back next week to talk about the Gospel for Proper 24 in Year A. That'll be for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.